Hello and welcome to the podcast version of Kenya's biggest conversation that's broadcast live every weekday morning from 6 to 10 a.m. on Spice FM. Hit subscribe for more thought-provoking conversations with your hosts Eric Latif, Ndu Oko and C.T. Muga and who's who of an eclectic mix of guests from the world of politics, policy, business and culture. This is a Situation Room podcast. Enjoy. Bill Okero is the former Mandera senator. He, when he was a senator, he was the chair of the Finance and Budget Committee of the Senate. Previously, he'd been a member of the National Assembly. There, he was a shadow finance minister. He understands a thing or two or three or four about Kenya's budget and how we do. Or five. If you look at or five. If you look at all the headlines today in the papers, it's all about what? The finance bill. Civil servants defy order on new taxes. Public service employees say the proposed tax measures will eat up to 52%, 52% of their pay. So the finance bill was published last week by the National Treasury. The National Assembly's Finance Committee has already called for input on this particular finance bill. The finance bill is basically how the government is going to finance the 3.6 trillion shilling budget that uh, it's proposing to have for the next financial year. And Bilo is here to explain to us what this means. Good morning. Morning. Morning, Eric. Good to have you here again. Yes. You know, this finance bill, we have to... It is an what they call an omnibus bill. It's a bill that has not just revenue measures, how the government intends to raise revenue to meet its expenditure budget. But finance bill also carries a lot of the government's policies on the economy and many other changes that the government want. If you will, it carries the fine print of what the government doesn't want you to see when they want to make legislation. <laughs> it's, it's, everything is put normally into a final, very complex bill that only experts can understand. I mean, if you try to go through it, you can't. I mean, all it says is that in this act, for example, income tax act, delete. Amend a million. by deleting the word million. You, you can't, unless you're very familiar with all, you have all those blows spread in front of you. It's, so it, it's one of those bills the government uses when they want to push in some of the legislation that they don't want people to mm-hmm. really uh, understand. Number two, let us contextualize the business environment or the environment in which you are in. Last week, the economic survey report was released. It it gave a very rosy picture of the past one year. It said our economy grew by 4.8%. Yeah. If you are in the developed world or anywhere in the Western countries, 4.8, your government would be elected and opposed, mm. literally, because that's a very good performance. Mm. But you remember in our last year election, the previous administration and the current administration, they both alluded to the fact that the economy was in ICU. Yeah. The economy had collapsed. Yes. They said the economy was finished. It was on that platform on which this government campaigned and came in. So there's a disconnect. You have an economy that we were told was in ICU and another one that the report says, oh, it did very well, 4.8. You can't find 4.8 in many countries of the world. Well, maybe it did very well in the ICU. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what normally happens is um, what the economic survey looks at, <laughs> where they have statistics, is the modern sector of the economy, what I call sometimes the elitist mm. sectors of the economy, the banks, the financial institutions, mm. and the telcos, and 
You know, those ones that you can really see, but this is a subsistence economy. 80% of the people here survive on subsistence economy. Informal sector accounts for 80% of the jobs. These things are not things you can capture readily. Mm. So that's why when you're out there, you find the economy is bad. But when you look at the figures in, in Treasury, you find, ah, these things are doing. The second thing I want to contextualize with is IMF. This government came and they faced West. They became the darling of the West. Yeah. Today, in the US and in the UK and those countries, Kenya is, is, is their darling. And when you become the darling of the West, then you know you have to, they send IMF and World Bank running. Welcome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you want money? Mm. And IMF is about one thing, borrow more and tax more in order to pay that loan. Mm. This is why last week the IMF managing director was in the country. You know, was so emphatic. She said, our debt is sustainable. Yeah. The government can borrow. We are not at risk of defaulting our loans. She even was asked about the Eurobond, you know, two over $2 billion that's due soon. Mm. And she said, no, what's the problem? If you can pay it through taxes, we can get loans from commercial banks. Kenya government is doing well. So IMF is, is now the one calling the shots. And where you see IMF, prepare for more taxes because their main concern is that you should be able to pay mm. the people who lent you money. That's their main concern. So I think when you look at it in that sense, then you would expect some of these measures uh, that we have seen. And, and I've categorized them into three or four, uh, you know, and, and we'll look at it in details later. But in three or four, one, there are some which are positive. Yeah. As there are some of the measures which are, which are plainly punitive, really, uh, to taxpayers and, and, and burdensome. Um, there are others which I think are unconstitutional, in fact. Uh, you know, you, you just can't have them. And, and, and others which really are not uh, are counterproductive mm. for investors and businesses. You can't have some of those policies and expect people to come and invest. I won't, for example, think of expanding my business or investing in this country with some of those measures that this government has introduced. Well, put in in place. So I would categorize them into those into those broader. Okay. Yeah. First of all, Mushimo, just explain to us this entire budgeting cycle up to the point where we get the finance bill, because the finance bill is coming to say this is how I'm going to find, fund mm. the budget. Mm. Yeah. What comes? What comes at what stage? And what happens after this stage? You see, under the new constitution. Mm. The process of budgeting has changed significantly from 2010. Um, you'll recall that in the past, budgeting was uh, something that was entirely done by Treasury. And these measures, like the ones that have been published now, uh, would be in the briefcase that the minister would be carrying. You would not know about it, you know, which, what taxes are going to increase, which ones will reduce. and. Those things used to be kept here. But under 2010, the whole process of, um, of budgeting was uh, underpinned by the need to enhance transparency, um, number one. Number two, to get as much public participation as possible. And number three, to give parliament, which is a legal, legally the, the representatives of the people, more a larger role in the whole process of budgeting. Um, this is why then the, 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 the process starts you know, very, very early from around September of the previous year. Uh, by, but by February, some of the budget documents, which we call the budget policy papers, for example, uh, or the budget policy statement is released in February. This is the, it gives, if you will, the strategic direction or the policy that the government wants to pursue so that this finance bill and the estimates that will come would reflect that policy and that strategy. So that policy is debated and discussed by Parliament with the input of the public through public participation. Mm. Um, so when those budget strategy papers are all agreed, so this is supposed to reflect that generally in a sense. Mm. So what comes here now 
is then the finance bill is published um, around April normally. Um, and, and this gives the members of parliament, uh, the parliamentary committees, a chance to look at um, of the bill. And the bill is basically about how to raise revenue in order to meet the target that has been set mm. uh, for, you know, for carry. Mm. You will remember when the budget policy documents were done in February, they had set a target of 3.6 trillion as an expenditure target. Yeah. And that they intend to raise, you know, revenues of almost three, uh, close to 2.9 trillion. Mm. So this bill is supposed to come up with additional measures that will give that incremental amount of revenue that is required to achieve that target mm. and so from here now it, it goes to parliament and parliament will uh, obviously get the views of um, uh, the public and yes. um and so whatever then is, is is agreed and the final is what goes into the the budget day statement that he comes to read which is basically a um, government's policy economic policy like for the a next summary of one year yeah, yeah. And, and and it will also uh, you know uh, after this of course the next thing that will get published then is before even it comes for the budget is the estimates mm. uh, the estimates which are the appropriations how they intend to um uh, spend the money that they will uh, they will collect and so forth so after that then of course the budget will be read out which will be basically uh, it ought not to be there but you remember we allowed it because that that's a culture that people so a tradition uh, but it's supposed to be a, a policy statement really on what the government wants to do in terms of the economy mm. and many of the government's policies and plans generally and not just on the economy they get you know uh, announced in that statement mm. so mm. so the finance bill is once Parliament has already approved the budget policy statement. It has said it's okay. You can raise, you can spend 3.6 trillion shillings next year. And oh, it looks like you want to raise 2.9 trillion shillings through uh, taxes and other revenues. That's okay. Go ahead. So finance bill is coming just to explain how these 2.9 trillion. How shillings the will be yes. Yeah, they need to raise. So it's a fait accompli then. Of course, um, many of the budget um, documents rarely get amended, even with Parliament putting it as input, by the way. Mm. Okay. It, it, it's not always that they amend. So when you talk about, I mean, previously you talk about um, this document then being made public to underpin the need for transparency after 2010, right? So why are we doing this then? If the last statement that you've made is actual is actually the truth why are we going through the rigors of public participation why are we going through all of this where people are going to come out and be quite upset about possibly half their earnings being taxed because government needs to fund this ballooning budget why are these processes taking place if truly it is a fait accompli why waste this time because we are hopeful that someone someday will listen and hopefully they may not accept everything that we say but if all the civil servants go on the street they may say okay let's defer the nhif uh, increments or let's defer the housing level central they might so it's a possibility that given the it you know in government is about pressure so if the pressure exerted is huge and parliament itself for example says no this one we are not going to accept mm then you might get away with, with, you know, some amendment here and there. But it's that because of that hope, because of that, you know, people have to keep trying. You don't give up. Uh, you know, if you keep quiet and say this is a company, then of course they... But generally the practice has been what has been, you know, presented as, as, as treasury has always uh, Is there perhaps succeeded. also then an underlying expectation that the people of Kenya will not push back enough and so they know that once it's already documented in this manner the pushback yeah. is unlikely to be anything you know 
earth moving so yeah. they know it's going to go ahead so then a pushback like the rumblings of which we've seen then is unexpected the critical pushback is not expected so much that's parliament mm. the ones who have the right and have the teeth to take a pen and say remove that one that is the expectation from treasury always that parliament will play ball with the executive and they will let through most of this you have seen one of the most mundane things that has happened a couple of weeks ago is when senate agreed with treasury on on the reduction of the amount of money that goes to counties yeah and senate only exists to serve the interest or protect the interest of the county so mm. it so they, they 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 worry about parliament and when parliament is in your pocket you don't worry so much you'd expect to get away with 90 95 99% of these things so parliament has already let us down this far okay because we started raising these issues with a uh, budget policy statement 3.6 trillion shillings why do you need to spend 3.6 trillion shillings have you gotten to understand why we need to have a budget of 3.6 trillion shillings in the next financial year <laughs> <laughs> because the previous one was 3.2 the current financial year is 3.2 trillion when the president went to parliament for his first inaugural address to parliament he said in fact that 3.2 trillion shillings i could cut 300 billion shillings like this and i even said i want the national treasury to cut 300 billion shillings which means in kenya kwanza's mind this year's financial budget should be 3.2 minus 300 how much is that 2.9 their budget is 2.9 trillion shillings but so they've jumped from 2.9 trillion to 3.6 trillion shillings even is more importantly look at it from another perspective the expenditure is about the revenue mm. the revenue you collected or you expect to collect by june <laughs> this year you are targeting is about 2 trillion or less yeah because 2021 2022 was 2 trillion this year kra is already 100 billion behind the target so assume it gets the 2 trillion you don't expect to collect more than 2 trillion the something situation is not good and you want to spend 3.6 something trillion. I've, i've never understood i mean you can see there's the a disconnect between the expenditure which may explain and the revenues explain this to me because i honestly don't understand this we collect 2 trillion or thereabouts what stops us from working with the 2 trillion why must we think of the trillions we don't have the, the, i'm sure there's logic i want to understand this logic we know this is what we collect but we insist that we must spend more it's the politics they need to be reelected the campaigns the future those are the things which make you spend more than what you have you want to please everyone so that you become the darling of everyone in the country and you get elected that's the whole thing our our, our actions are largely determined by the, the politics by the way we don't look at 2023 and say we are four years to the next election let us let us let's try and run the country now mm. every decision being made is about how it will impact on the next poll and and how would i be seen and i want to be seen to, to have done very well i haven't be seen to have done better than the previous government um and so we are used to living larger than life you know um, we live very conspicuously the government is known to be the most uh <laughs> uh extravagant in the region we we really live large compared to any other government in in eastern central africa can you can you look there's a lot of you know just like we said um when this bill at least when we saw the initial documentation come out and then thereafter there are the rumblings and you have an you have a population that is quite worried about what it's going to mean to the little that they have in their hands today what exactly does this bill portend then for the money that you will earn as a kenyan today let me look at it from two perspectives one 
generally revenue is generated from two major sources. One is the businesses, right? Yeah. Um, these are duties and VAT and you know other income taxes and so forth from businesses. The second is from employees, um, the taxes on their income. Um, on the businesses, I would say really some of the measures that have been put in here are, are, are quite counterproductive. It would not encourage investors. You would not feel like coming to Kenya. You would be better off going to Uganda, better off going to Egypt uh, or South Africa for that matter. And there are many reasons. Uh, for example, the cost of, you know, in business, when you're producing something, you want to be very competitive in your pricing. You mm. want to sell whatever you produce. If whatever you produce is going to be overpriced because of the high cost of production, you can compete with, with, with the others in the market. So generally our competitiveness in the region has been going down because one of the high, very high cost of power and the very many other additional ones, but the most important being the taxation. So for example, I'll give you one which is ridiculous. Um, when you say, if you have a dispute with KRA mm. on a tax and you've gone to a tribunal, and there's no agreement and you want to go to court, you cannot go until you put 20% deposit. And if you have lived in this country and doing business, ARA always comes up with arbitrary tax assessment. This yeah. is their tradition, especially yes. in the last 10 years. Mm. You know, and I'll give you, I mean, even my own small business, they have come to me a couple of years ago and said, we want two billion. Two so billion. Two billion. Taxes, I told them, okay, take the business and give me the change, please. Give me a billion. Because <laughs> well, this is not even worth a billion or even half a billion. And you want two billion, which means I have made a profit of over 10 billion. Yeah for them to ask for a demand of. So if you, this matter goes to their tribunal and you want to, you know, dispute that case and contest, put 20%. I mean, that there's no business which will, yes, which will madness. that kind of, uh, that kind of thing. So just in your case, for example, just remove 400 million and put in an account somewhere. Yes. To be sitting somewhere. As and, you. and you know, the process of the court cases go on. It can go on for the next four or five years. Um, so, so, and then you expand the dividend, the tax on dividend to 15%. I find it ridiculously high. Mm -hmm. For example, I do a business. Why do I do a business? I want to make profits. Mm -hmm. yep. So I make my profits and you tax me 30% corporation tax on my profit. Yeah. Yep. So I pay 30%. Yep. The net now that remains, I want to give it, take yourself. it as, as my dividend yeah. mm -hmm. as a shareholder. We want 15%, pay 15% on that net again. I mean, so you, so you essentially you, you're taxing for 5%. <laughs> essentially, yeah, basically, because you are the one of the business, you are the shareholder, you are the business. Yep. You'll end up paying up to 45%. Um, so, and then you have introduced so many other costs. For example, when you tell my employee, my CEO, anything above 500,000 now, I pay additional 5% tax. Yeah. Additional, in addition to what you already pay. Oh, yes. Mm. The taxes will be more. Yeah. You'll pay tax for NHIF more. Yeah. You'll pay NSSF more. Housing You'll funds. pay housing more. Everything the employer has to contribute an equivalent amount. I mean, this is business. You, you, so you will discourage businesses from making further investments. It almost seems as though before I even come yeah. to the employees, you can see yeah. from the perspective of the business itself, it's 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 quite a challenge carrying up all those all those uh, burdens. So I, I I think I find it a bit. Um, and then of course there's one which is more serious. Mm. If you are in business, you would know. If now you Spice FM invoices me, mm. I run the you run my uh, advert, yep. and you invoice me that invoice according to this thing, uh, document now, in finance bill, must be an electronic tax invoice. Yep. Number one. Mm -hmm. If whether you are in Lamu or Nyeri or Mandera, you don't have those electronic things and you don't have an accounting software or those things are not important to carry. Mm -hmm. It must be electronic tax invoice. And two, 
you have to demonstrate that for me now to claim that there's a VAT that will charge me. Yep. For me to claim that VAT, to offset that VAT against my VAT payable, I have to prove to KRA that you, Spice FM, has actually not only raised an electronic invoice and of course a taxable invoice and so forth, but you have actually paid your VAT. If I cannot demonstrate you have paid your VAT, you cannot claim. I cannot claim. Why should I struggle? as a small businessman out there to try and confirm that, you know, Spice of him has paid their VAT, has declared their tax. How is, mm-hmm. how is it your bother? Is, your, is it your problem, really? Huh? I mean, how is it your problem whether a Spice of him have paid their VAT or not? It's, it's Are not there a... pledges that the government made a couple of months, a week ago? The president said, look, one of the biggest challenges facing businesses is getting refunds. Tax refunds. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. a situation of tax refund comes when you have a credit. You always get into a situation where you want money from KRA sometimes. Yeah. Um, and he said, look, we're going to introduce some changes in this in this year and you should be able to offset. If you have a claim on one form of tax, you should be able to offset against all the others. Yeah. For example, I have VAT refund due of 100 million from government. Mm. I have another one, you know, pay as you earn or income tax or something payable to government. I should be able to offset. Mm. The situation now is you want hundreds of billion, millions from government on one type of tax but you cannot offset it again. Even within the withholding tax, for example. You can't offset it within the system. No, you can't. You have to pay them their money. The one you want from them, you sorry, you, you'll, you'll, you'll have to, you'll have to uh, wait. And then they introduce this three days thing. For mm. example, withholding tax. Now, when you are, when I'm paying you now, after the invoice of Spice FM, yeah. I should deduct 2%, what they call withholding tax, VAT withholding tax, 2%, I must deduct and pay to carry. It used to be paid in the, by 20th of the following month, like yeah. like the normal VAT and so forth. In this new law, I have to pay that 2% within three days. Immediately so I will I be busy you. all the time trying to pay care. Reconciling and paying If care. you are an agent looking after my house, they used to collect, you know, mm. now you become a withholding tax agent, the rent collector, like Lloyd Masikas and those guys who collect uh, manage properties. Yeah. Now they have to deduct uh, withholding tax and pay within 24 hours for them. I so mean, it, it's, withholding you know, VAT now has to be paid within two days. Not, tax should not be administratively burdensome, really. Yeah. It should not be difficult. It should not make things very difficult for business. Unfortunately, when you're looking for pennies all the time, you don't look at those things. Carrier has a target. They're being told we want 3.6 this year. Next year, they've already been told four. By 2027, they've already been told six mm. trillion is what is required. So these guys, they will just sit down and say, okay, let us hang the guys it? one by one. <laughs> yes. Before we even get this to employees. Hey. Mm. <laughs> okay. So this was all really looking scary already. And I'm, you know, everybody wants to retreat to their bunker. I don't know, you're calling it hope, but okay. Uh, and that was just businesses uh, below. And now, employees, these employees are already crying and may not even understand the length and breadth of what this actually does mean you said you're going to tell us now what does it mean for employees who then will face a lot of these issues coming up under this bill you know employees have two challenges mm. one from KRA and one from the employer the employer would obviously inevitably try to um you know cut costs cut costs Mm -hmm. so what would that mean it means some employees will be fired you'll reduce your costs you lose jobs um some benefits will go 
have some pay will reduce. Mm. So the employer would, would probably do that, and that will impact on the on the on the on the on the employees significantly. The second, of course, is um, um, their net take home. What goes into their pockets will be reduced. If you go, if everything here sees the light of the day, you know, in terms of the additional taxes, the additional levies, um, all this. Thirdly, uh, the employee also suffers um, on, in the economy because what all these things mean, and quite a number of them actually would result in higher cost of living. Mm. Uh, for example, the the fuel. You yep. know, once you remove the eight percent, then unless they they amend it, it means the sixteen percent remains on VAT on fuel. Yeah. Um, if you are expanding, um, uh, so many other turnover tax threshold has been expanded, and many of these measures will also mean the cost of living will go up. Yeah. That again means employees would be under pressure to try and uh, make a living on the little money that they are going to earn. So employees, yes, they'll be impacted um, significantly. This is why you see all these um, organizations really. Um, the unions out. coming out. <laughs> the unions coming out. Mm. That you know you can't. Uh, you know you, you. This is look at it. Look at the environment. You have come on to power on a platform that the economy is in ICU. Things are bad. Mm. That is not the time to start taxing your people. You have said the cost of living is very high. Then you still charge more taxes. So my net pay you're reducing, and the cost of living you're raising up. Things are becoming more expensive. Uh, so I mean, it doesn't add up. I mean, you are making things more difficult. What we would have expected is that look, things are bad. Let us give businesses more incentives. Let us reduce the cost of doing business, so that the cost of production and cost of products and goods and services will become low cheaply, so that you can survive. But what we are seeing is is is, is an IMF kind of um, thing, you know, where you simply. Say, look, collect more money. Collect but more does money. the IMF have no soul? I mean, they, surely, <laughs> is it that they don't see? IMF because when you say, when you say, increase that VAT on fuel to eight percent to sixteen percent from eight percent, the eight percent already was a pain, and it was a whole negotiation to get to eight percent. Initially, of course, IMF had wanted the even eight percent was under their pressure. You remember? It was the pressure was for the them pressure to just bring it. Now, take it to 16%. That means everything else goes up. Cost of transportation goes up. Cost of electricity goes up. Cost everything. of all these things goes everything. up. Right? Yes. And if the cost of electricity is high, cost of fuel is high, cost of all these things is high, and then you say, all right, even tax more. But is that not what IMF or World Bank have always done? There is no country. Look at Asia and Latin America. There are gone uh, through hell Belly IMF, mm. you know, in the 90s mm. and even Africa, parts of Africa. Um, there isn't any country that has gone through. IMF is like, if you will, um, it comes in when you're like in an ICU situation and they give you a very, uh, you know, those jacks that are put on your chest. You try and either you recover or you die. <laughs> but IMF is a bank and the bank that looks at more the interest of the lenders than really, so that you must be in a position to pay back. That's basically what, that's why the director of IMF was very clear last week and ashamedly she said, look, she was asked by one of the reporters last week in this country, the euro bond money, which is over two billion dollars, is due. How are we going to, is this country going to pay? She said, what's the problem? You can borrow commercially and pay it. I mean, it's you borrow money and pay it. So to them, it's the issue. Their subject is always about payment of the loans. But I, but but I think so. Employees, I I would imagine is things are going to be a bit difficult. Like for most Kenyans, not only employees but for everyone, I think the situation is. Um, we expected this these measures 
What Kenyans wanted to see is that a situation where they'll be told our cost of living is going to go down because government is going to rationalize expenditure, mm. government is going to rationalize some of the taxes, um, remove most of the inconsistencies. Our taxes is still one of the most the highest and i keep repeating this mm. our corporation tax rates of 30 percent is among the highest the second highest in the whole of africa you can compare with many of the countries which will compete with that of 22 percent 15 percent you know our vat they tell you it's 16. Mm. in reality when you add what they call the levies you try importing this thing and you see the 16 percent vat then you have the two percent idf and rdf another two percent another two percent of this and it goes to 21 percent mm. um so so and it, it's it's really and then of course the tax on pay income for employees is the highest actually not among the high is the highest in africa already at 30 percent you know threshold it was the highest now when you are at 500,000 it goes to 35 percent we are living like in europe i mean but so at the end of the day it, it's it's not about for me the, the the issue is not everybody in kenya is not concerned about so much what happens here what happens what is the main concern is where is that money going yeah absolutely yes and even when you make the comparison billy and say okay we're like we're living like a bit below we're saying okay we're living like those who are in europe that's okay no, but one of my taxed. arguments is yes. we're not living like those in europe we're being taxed like those who live in europe but the thing is that those who live in europe and are taxed so heavily up to 50 percent in some cases can see the result of, of that taxation medical cover medical education cover, health education job security social security i mean so top many of things the range. Mm -hmm. and here we are saying do it some more four trillion in um another four years or so six trillion in about four years after that where is it going to come from i i mean and so here we are saying that the things that you talk about reducing the cost of doing business creating an environment whereby it's conducive for people, for people to do business to invite investors into the country it seems that all of this is being done to do the exact opposite to chase would-be investors away and you're not just flirting with um, the possibility you're actually courting sitting down and having a dinner date with this thing because people aren't actually not going to come one two how do you deal with an already frustrated populace who before saw we saw things like this people already crying about how life has become you see one of the expensive. things one of the things kenyans will be looking forward to mm. next month when they submit their budget uh, statement or budget speech is how they will deal with the expenditure side uh, concerns for example on corruption because they know that most of this money uh, it, 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 it's, it's not being spent on value, value for money because yeah. of corruption. Exactly. And let me tell you, if there's going to be a government where supplies to government is inflated and the government will not be getting value, it is this government. More than any other I have seen mm. already. The six months I have seen the supplies to government, the contracts, everything is inflated crazy including what's going on in KNTC and all these other institutions so so I I, I, I I think the 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 thing that will 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 bring these guys to their senses is when carry with all these measures will not be able to raise this revenue and then they will be forced to borrow they've already done that by the way in they the six months more. to December to now the government has borrowed over 500 billion. 
the same government that said we are going to stop borrowing. Yep. Um, last week they signed on Africa Exim Bank to another two, three billion dollars mm-hmm. that they will need to they will need to take. Already they are borrowing more. And IMF is saying yesterday the director, managing director was she said I'm going, we're going to give you guys mm. this country more money again. So you will be borrowing more, and the and the consequences of that is that the next few years Kenyans will have to dig deeper. Businesses will continue shutting down. Um, look, when you increase the threshold of turnover tax to 500,000, lower from 1 million to, what it mean is, if you are running a small hair saloon, you are making 40,000 shillings turnover in a month, you have to pay tax on that 40,000 yep. shillings. I mean, that 40,000, KRA doesn't want to know, that is turnover. Mm. Whether you have made profit or, or, not. or loss. That's it not, is your turnover, as long as the turnover. money that has come in. Please pay us on that. <laughs> so this, this concept of trying, you remember they said when they came in, you know, everybody is on Safaricom. So yeah. why should we not tax everyone? Mamangoy should pay something. Give us a shilling if you got 20 shillings. Yeah. That's not the concept of tax. Tax should not be a burden. Tax is got threshold all over the world. There's a threshold. That's why even on PE, when you're earning less than 25,000, you don't pay, pay. pay as you earn or income. The idea is there has to be a threshold. Below that, it's your own survival, really. And, 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 and the government has no mandate anywhere in the world mm. to tax people the way they want. You tax so that you can allow people also something in their pocket and also do some provide some services to, to, to the people yeah, you, what you govern what i can't help thinking is why is this government fermenting revolt because yes it's like any and every possible way in which you can make the lives of your citizens difficult they're going for it it's like they're leaving nothing to chance they know kenyans don't revolt exactly this country <laughs> has been screwed up by every government for the last, I don't know, there was a time when the German ambassador said, if what is happening in Kenya was happening in other countries, <laughs> people would be on the streets every day. Mm. But they're used to that, you know, this is a country where people are very, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, they just absorb. Uh, I don't know for how long, but um, we were told by this government in their campaign platform, we will do an economic revolution. Mm. <laughs> and they're doing it. But you all assumed that the economic revolution meant that things were going to go. Maybe the revolution well, is that things will go it. as high as possible. That's uh, the revolution. This is what they promised. Uh, so, so, so I want to mention three things in this finance bill also, yeah. which are additional to the business. For example, where they said um, the definition of the word person. You know, in income tax, the person refers to an individual or a company mm-hmm. who is required to pay tax. Mm. And they've expanded that definition in this finance bill to include relatives. That means you are responsible when you are dealing with your tax as a person. That person includes your relatives, your uncles and nieces and cousins and their tax. How? This is one of the most ridiculous things in this finance bill. And this they amend before it goes to parliament. Wait, wait, wait. Explain that a bit. The second is... Uh, <laughs> no, explain the relative bit. No, so you see... When you're paying tax... You pay as an individual. You, you, you should not be concerned about the tax of your wife or your son or your daughter or your relatives. See, so how do they want me to cover the relative bit? Th- this is something that is it's really ridiculous. That definition, if you look at it, the finance bill, you find they've expanded that definition to include relatives, but it doesn't make sense. I have, I have no, under the constitution, I have no responsibility really about, you know, dealing with that. The mm. second thing which I found was also, um, uh, is the 10% export and investment promotion levy. Something Kenya Zoshino Manufacturer said is ridiculous and they've tried to go against it. Because what you're saying is, if I am importing, if I am a manufacturer of this metallic uh, product, yes. and I need to import some, 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 some raw material, mm-hmm. I have to pay 10% levy 
additionally on behalf of, on top of all those taxes because you want to encourage local now if the local one is expensive for example clinker they have introduced 10% yep. yes, on yeah so and we import about 6 700,000 metric tons of clinker every year because mm. what we have here is not adequate and what we produce here is expensive what you are doing is then you are saying the cost of cement will have to go up because nobody will import the, the clinker from outside because of this 10% yep. source locally so you have to source locally and if you source locally then the cost of production of that clinker is high already so you are some things you are doing you are trying to look for whatever to protect some or two companies and this you know finance bill is something that is normally about the lobby yeah so someone some of some of these things are based on protecting a particular industry a particular company a particular business that says i want to you know put this levy so that i am the source or we are the sole suppliers of of, of those in the country hmm. the third one is this this thing about charging that KRH will not give a prior notice they'll simply write to the registrar of lands and and secure your property in order to recover their their money i also find that to be well, a, bit, a bit ridiculous a bit a bit ridiculous so I what mean, are our courts for then yes uh, and and uh, the courts they even said you can't go to court you have to pay 20% you know the, the idea is they want yeah. to discourage you from going to courts some yeah. of these actions but i i think so there are a lot of punitive things there are a lot of also there are one or two positive ones for example the the lpg thing i hope it works they have removed the taxes on uh, so um, you have 10 things which are untenable then you have one which is supposedly tenable yeah, yeah the, it's hustler friendly the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> but you said that a lot of these things that we see um at the beginning is that they're political in nature right of course budgeting it's, is all politics it's all politics <laughs> at the same time a lot of the promises that we saw being made during the campaign period were thousand percent political in nature it was essentially to i mean manifesto and you know it looked all glossy and very nice and very uh, technocratic but it was political at the end the of the day the most prominent political statements in the campaigns were yeah. two yeah. and you have got thousands of clips on that yeah one where they said we'll reduce the taxes yes. this is it and that's it was what all over yep. all over yeah. by the entire kenya kwanza uh, coalition partners exactly um and 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 you know and we we we're seeing well, the opposite the second one is on the debt they said we will no more borrowing no more borrowing. borrowing it was clear both of them were at every rally yeah that this taxes must be reduced by half i remember uh, uh, mr mudavadi for example in his yeah. campaign it was mm. categorical that he'll reduce taxes by they'll go down by half mm. um but both of them they're being done taxes are going up and more borrowing and is more borrowing and uh, clearly obviously you see when you get into government you find um uh, so many other <laughs> Uh, establishment well, sure. <laughs> however but shouldn't there be i mean at least a little bit of an inkling close to what you said that you were going to do there should be some semblance correct of you your willingness to having you know by now what they should have done is sit with their loan law i mean lenders kenya government should have in the last six months sat with every lender multilateral and bilateral one and try to renegotiate or reschedule the loans mm. as much as possible so that at least the impact of the payment which is what they said is the reason why they have gone into this can be you know and and there's no lender who does not even your own banker mm. if you go and say look my situation is not good can we renegotiate my loan mm. they will i i think that should have been their primary thing the second is rationalized expenditure of government We haven't seen that. We have seen a situation where the government has been expanded. Yeah. Leaving large literally completely you cannot imagine. So, you know, forget about the recruitments of this or that offices, but 
the expenditures, the way the money is being allocated and the kind of expenditures the government is going in, you, this, you wouldn't imagine this government is having serious problems with loans. You would think this government, everything is okay. You know, when you have a situation where the things are tight, you would, you would see it on You'd the ground. You would feel it, yeah. You would feel it and you would try to reduce this or that expenditure. Um, you know, yesterday I was looking at the at the votes on uh, uh, for the state house, and, mm. and I saw uh, uh, the, the, the 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 council of economic advisers. Um, so the guys who determine all these things, and they're quite a team. Mm. And their budget is 189 million. Their vote in the in that in that house, vote. and then 189 million. The council of economic advisers. What do they need? What do they need that money for exactly? Well, it includes all their packs and their... their, their you know, they need an office. They, you know, it's they, a new they, thing. It, it, they need it's, an office, it's, it's, you know, uh, they need furniture. But they're based in the state house. Yeah. In, in, so so compare that uh, to <laughs> what the offices of the two first ladies got. Mm. 700 million. Imagine. And you're the economic advices. Um, you know, you'd, but basically, I'm just going to give you an illustration that, you know, the, the government really should, should rationalize expenditure. There's no, in this country, that is our biggest challenge. I always have a question and uh, concern about the National Treasury. We talk about the people who work at the National Treasury, sharp brains, you know, experienced and all. Well-educated. Well-educated. But they're the ones who draft these things. Is it that they succumb to political pressure or is it that they are the ones who actually advise the politicians on how to or are there some specific people who are given the task of drafting these nasty things there's the people who have specialities in drafting such things so when you want to draft something punitive say go to so and so yeah because how can our best brains every year come up with something like this lend lead us to this situation and they understand their economics they understand their finance and they know these things are counterproductive yeah and um let me say there are a couple of reasons why you see when you are in in, in the treasury uh, you are a political appointee of the president um you would then be uh, you know uh, subservient to your uh, the appointing authority and you'll try to do things that they uh, and, and in budget let me tell you everything in budget must be approved by the president before these things come to the public or to parliament yeah all these documents you sit with the boss and he goes through Okay, this one goes, this one doesn't go. So you want to, one, don't want to be on the wrong side of, 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 your, of your appointing authority. Um, second, you are given targets. Boss says, I want three trillion next year. Because I have to do certain things. So find out how you can raise it. So you, you tell Kare, Kare, I want three trillion. So Kare will take the finance, the, the, the income tax act and go with a pencil and find out how they can... Uh, uh, you know, media houses, media uh, content, uh, you know, pro- digital content producers and do this and do that and recover this. Uh, you must pay now 15% VAT on your digital. <laughs> it's madness. Uh, so you have to meet those targets. But I agree with you that Treasury should actually be an advisor to the government. Yeah. It should not be like other ministries. Because Treasury is the impact. Treasury is the one that is not only custodian of public investments and assets. But Treasury is the one that controls the economic policy mm-hmm. of the government. It's anchored in, in, in Treasury. Mm-hmm. The resources of the government are in Treasury. This is an institution that can see the impact of every action here. Yep. You know, on the future, on the economy, on the public, on the employment, on everything. They should be in a position to advise the government, no, this action is not workable. 
you know and this is why in certain countries <clears throat> treasury is an independent institution from mm. minister of finance mm. I, I i discussed this recently on some and i was asked and i said in this country independent offices have not been very successful mm. we have this constitution set up many independent institutions and commissions and the objective was to ensure that checks and balances in government mm. so that government does not go to excesses but unfortunately people have been appointed even in those independent offices have tended to play ball with the executive and therefore the impact has not been felt. A good example is parliament, yeah. which is one of the most important institutions in terms of checks and balances. That should determine, no, this should not happen or this should happen. You can't borrow this. But every time you want to borrow, you just go and say, please increase the level. Mm. It's 10 trillion. Now make it 12 trillion. They just sign. Yeah. Uh, please do this and they sign. So, and so even if we have an independent treasury, as long as the Kenyan professional has that attitude that once you have been appointed to an office our people to want to be in government our people want to benefit from government you must work with the government that is the attitude you we can't expect much even with independent institutions even if you move out treasury into mm. some you know in canada and some countries treasury is a board you know it's not mm. just a, a but it's because those institutions are independent and they tell the government no sorry you can't do this, this one you cannot move yes we can't tax here we must ring face this kind of you know yeah. uh, because treasury goes beyond the administration yeah It's thinking 25 years ahead anyway below thank you very much always a pleasure having you thank you <laughs> How about that? You made it to the end of today's podcast. You clearly ooze stamina. Guess what? Just hit subscribe at Standard Media Podcast, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. Our podcasts drop daily. From me and the team, catch you next time. Bye-bye.